You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's largest mortgage lender. Spring will be here soon, so if buying a new home is on your to-do list, right now is the time to call Quicken Loans. Learn about which mortgage options make sense for you and get a jump on your competition. With our exclusive Rate Shield approval, the low rate you lock today is protected for up to 90 days while you shop for your new home. With a Rate Shield approval, if rates go up, your low rate stays locked. But if rates go down, you get that new, even lower rate. Either way, you win. Talk to us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com to take advantage. Here's another great reason to work with us. For a record nine years in a row, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination. Again, to lock in today's low mortgage interest rate and get the security of our exclusive rate shield approval, call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. For J.D. Power award information, visit jdpower.com. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, Overdesigned and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret we make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five blade razor weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5000. Enjoy! Tune in every two weeks for Disasters in the Making, where a couple of bent mind entertainment writers expound on their absolute passion and love for bad cinema and bad Hollywood. Joining us each week with Paul Young from Screen Rent and Brad Slager from numerous entertainment outlets, they get together and tear into the worst part of Hollywood in the best way possible. Join every two weeks on Disasters in the Making. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. Welcome to Thursday evening here at KLRN, and we are your early kickoff for the weekend as you are listening to The Culture Shift. My name is Brad Slager. I'm an entertainment and cultural writer at a number of outlets here to guide you through the important news of the entertainment spectrum. And joining me on this quest is... We edify and broaden your horizons on the entertainment spectrum is America's most laser-focused and digitized Amish individual, Ordy Packard. How is 
life in California, Woody. It's smoky. Smoky oh, and it? hot. Yes. You know, yeah. I jinx I jinx myself. The other last week I'm standing outside, I'm talking to a friend of mine, I'm all you know, I don't remember the sky being this blue. When's the last time you remember that not there not being dust haze or clouds or smoke or yeah, just general, you know, smog from the Central Valley. Just deep blue, beautiful day, and then all the smoke came rolling in the next morning. I fucking jinxed it. That's my fault. That was my bad, guys. <laughs> well, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's all it for that. Yeah, I did it to myself. You know, I got to use my powers for good, not for evil. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's all from that uh, big fire that was caused by climate change and not at all a liberal professor arsonist. <laughs> yes. Did but he, how's things out there? How you doing did, in the swamp? Did he have a reason for that? Did, was there a... I, Probably to prove of climate change. I was just about to say it was <laughs> probably done intentionally to prove his theory. I'm guessing. Yeah, it was like last year with all the climate change fires that happened to end right at the Canadian border. <laughs> yes, there's no climate guess, change in Canada. Yeah, the global warming doesn't have a passport. You see. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know they were pretty stringent with their lockdowns. So. Sure, sure. Yeah. How you doing uh, out there? Oh, we're just uh, we're actually starting to get back into more of a psychosis mode here. I, well, basically, we are driving the rest of the country crazy. Is what it's coming down to. Florida you know, got, in a psychosis mode. That's just so unusual. It's, it's on brand. That's us. Yeah, that's totally you. Yeah, we're we're to the point now where we have the White House and the administration. Lashing out at Florida because that's what leaders do these days. It's just wonderful to see. I, I kind of enjoyed last week, or I think it was late, maybe when uh, somebody said, "Hey, you know, Ron DeSantis in Florida was really rough on you there, Mister Biden," and he's like, "Governor who?" and everybody's like, "Burn!" Oh man, he smoked him. No, he really didn't, because he sat across from him just about a month ago when the condominium collapsed. And <laughs> Joe Biden doesn't remember him. That kind of is a pretty big sign of a doddering, senile, sofa alert taking place in my book. But yeah, that's you know that's not something you know you really advertise. You know that's yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, I've yeah. never heard of the guy. I was like, I've got pictures of you sitting right next to him. Right last month. And if that's the case, we really need to invoke that whole 25th Amendment thing. That needs... Oh, no. No, it's, it's hateful for you to say that. Last year, that was Oh, cool. is it? Yeah. Okay. Now, no. now you're intolerant. No, I'm... Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just been... Yes, uh, I am, damn it. The usual fun down here. Otherwise, uh, nothing too landmark beyond that. So, we... Look to the entertainment spectrum to distract us from our day-to-day quotidian life. Got the, uh, I've been really lax though. This is August. I should be full bore into Biden. I mean, uh, <laughs> wow, Butler Fest. Look at that slip. But yeah, that shows you where I've been. I've been. I've been. It is the time of Butler. I've been slacking on that, but uh, it's not for a lack of information. No, you know he. He is the hardest working man in Hollywood. 
could say something inappropriate there, Giggity, but I won't because I'm a professional. <laughs> yeah, you leave that to me. Okay, let me rephrase that. The hardest working man behind Nick Cage. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the uh, less desperate but very ardent Gerard Butler, yes. But <laughs> there was the announcement of a new film because uh, we really are entering into he, He's got a career path that's almost echoing Nick Cage now because he's he's just in that Liam Neeson mode where he's older, but he can still do stuff. So why the hell shouldn't I be an action star? And a couple weeks ago, there was talk that there was going to be a sequel to his most recent drama, Greenland. But now there's a new one called The Plane. The Plane. <laughs> yeah, I, when I saw this, I was like, I just... It really lacks something without Hervé Villachez saying it. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose. Or there's no snakes involved, apparently. Yeah, yeah. That's the other little downside so far. But this is still in the planning stages. This has just been announced. Um, sounds kind of exciting. Not because Gerard Butler is going to be playing a commercial pilot by the name of Brody Torrance. Brody. You've already got me on board right there. Yeah, when your name's Brody, you just, Mm -hmm. you you know, there is some ass kicking about to happen. Or a college kegger flick. One of the two. Yeah, I was going to say it's... Brody could be one of those douchebags you see, like, on a reality show or something. It's like, oh, shit, bro, you have to go to work today. But I think once you're in your 40s and 50s, Brody becomes a lot more badass. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah, unless you're Jeremy Pivens. But. Yeah. But uh, what Brody is going to be focused on here is uh, following his heroic job of successfully landing a plane in storm damage hostile territory he only once again finds himself threatened by militant pirates who are planning to take the plane that he's currently on and its passengers as hostages it's really that whole um what was that tom hanks movie with the you know the captain of the um <clears throat> talk about, on true story talk about sully yeah it's that but with an airplane and butler so a lot of kick-ass but wait, Sully did have an airplane. It is an airplane. No, I'm talking about the boat one. Oh, the, oh, oh. Um, right, what was that? It was Captain... Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. He got taken yeah. by pirates on the high seas. Yeah, yeah. So that, you know, based on true story. So this is the that, but with an airplane and Gerard Butler. So it's going to be ass-kicking. Of course, it, of course. It's, it's, it's going to be like an Air Force One get-off-my-plane kind of thing. I'm already on board, both metaphorically and physically, if possible. Captain Phillips, thanks, Rick. Boom. So, yeah, this uh, this looks to be, ironically, his next vehicle, as they say. (laughs) What you did there, I spotted. Yeah, that's good. However, we do not have to wait that long for Butler Magnificence because... Coming next month, and I just happened upon this. I think there's a little bit of serendipity going on here because um, it was last Sunday, August the first. I go on my uh, on my television, which is connected to the inner tubes, watching a streaming service, as it were, 
And while I was awaiting the selection to come up, they were playing a trailer. Well, okay, what's this all about? Hey, I know that guy. Gerard Butler's face occupied my TV screen, and I was just flush with satisfaction and joy. Rainbows could have possibly been emanating from me at some point, but I I couldn't look around to notice because I was too busy riveted to the TV screen to watch the trailer for Cop Shop. Okay, you know what? The the one thing with Butler in this one, I thought it was uh, I thought it was um, Keith Urban at first because of the hair. <laughs> yeah, really it's, a, it's it's it took uh, me a minute to realize. Oh shit, that's Butler. Yeah, it's it's he's got a glorious mane going here. Pretty he close. I'm going to probably go with Mel Gibson mullet here. Yeah, in the first it, lethal weapon. Very werewolf of London. It's it really uh, but he's got like a hard slick back look about him. Uh, probably a good two to three day growth on the face. So he's looking hard scrabbled. He's looking well, very he's grizzled. And I think what we're looking at here, based on the trailer, and you can go find it, Cop Shop trailer is all over the place right now. The movie opens next month, uh, mid-September, I want to say, 14th or so. Yeah. But um, it, it's almost like a bottle episode that the always called it in shows, you know, where they had all of the people come together on one set. And I think this is a definite COVID production because it looks like a majority, if not all of the action takes place within a police precinct. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely uh, a single set, you know, maybe not even, you know, outside the couple cells that you see mm-hmm. in the lobby. Yeah. I mean, there were like some introductory scenes maybe where he's driving and such to arrive here, but it looks like the bulk of the, Drama in action takes place within police precinct. There's a uh, there's a bad guy. He's in jail. He's kind of the focus of all the activity. And at some point in time, Gerard Butler is handcuffed in a cell. So it looks like he's spending quite a significant amount of time shackled and not going anywhere. So we're going to have to get a lot more of the acting taking place here and less of the action, Jerry. But I'm looking forward to it. This looks very pulpy, very uh, yeah, you know, with maybe, a, with very B grade. Pretty much uh, shot tight, a lot of close ups, but a lot of action as well. Yeah, to to I don't think I'm giving too much in spoilers here. That he plays an assassin, and there's another assassin in locked up with them, and both of their targets is they're both of the. They're both going for the same target who happens to be in jail at the same time, too. So it's, you know, they got themselves put in jail to fulfill the contract. And so, yeah, you get everything tied up with that. That's good stuff. Yep. I am definitely going to be on board for this one. So I'm excited already. Yeah. And I'm going to have to uh, start engaging myself in the month of Butler here. I got to get Butler Fest going in the next day or two. Oh, it's not. Stop it. Every month is Butler month. Yeah. In my heart, yes, it is. So there you go. We've uh, we've already tapped into the magnificence of Scotland's greatest thespian gift to America. There we go. Well, sticking with the movie theme, 
a lot of activity in theaters despite or maybe in spite of the pandemic. Uh, yeah, but it's not. <laughs> it's not helpful. No, but also maybe a crutch. Well, uh, okay. yeah, I mean. I haven't see, seen black. Okay, I, I haven't really invested in a lot of time in black, in black Widow yet. Do you know that if the movie was is failing because it was shit, or if it's you know really because of the coup? And so you you've got that whole. It's a legitimate argument that maybe Black Widow wasn't that good anyway, and it was going to fail in the box office. So that explains the day date. Uh, Suicide Squad. I'm hearing a lot of positive reviews, but it's not doing great in the box office. No, no. And the thing with Black Widow is this. I'm I'm going to maybe rain on the excuse making that's been taking place for this reason. I've seen <laughs> I've seen the way Hollywood operates and what's. What Black Widow was experiencing here was the second week lull. When it opened, everybody was happy. We covered it. Yeah. Yeah. Biggest biggest box office opening of the year. Everybody was raving about the film. Looked like Disney is going to turn a profit between the box office and the signups for it on Disney+. And then the lawsuits came. Well, it... That kind of seemed to get sparked in week two because it actually experienced a significant dip of about, what, 68%. It dropped in the second week. And you don't normally see those numbers unless, A, it's a real piece of garbage that nobody likes, or B, it's a huge smash hit that everybody went to go see in the first week and just has its normal box office run take place after that. And it doesn't have the numbers to back up the second. I, I think it kind of splits the difference here. I mean, being, you know, it's everything is going to have an asterisk this year just because of COVID and the pandemic. So you've got the biggest box office opening of the year, but it was 80 million, which normally would be eh, kind of numbers. And for a Marvel movie, people would be disappointed. But the fact that they hit that figure, everybody was raving about it. The second week drop off is the key. Right. I think that's a combination of the movie being lackluster and being available at home. So if you're going to get repeat viewings out of it, let's say people loved it and wanted to see it again. They're like, well, wait, why am I dropping another 20 bucks? If I can do 29 99 at home and watch it a few more times in my luxury. So in my watching my underwear with, you know, yeah, sure. Without getting kicked out of the theater. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so when this it comes, where, this is where the streaming services need to have transparency, though. Yeah, and that's what they don't want to do. So this past weekend, Suicide Squad opened up. I don't even know if we could call this a sequel. Because yeah. the way it has been described, presented, I, there's some character crossover from the first but most of it is not and they didn't call it suicide squad 2 there's you know it it doesn't have the feel either completely different director different feel it's almost like they said let's reboot this son of a bitch after a couple years 
Yeah, and that didn't do it any favors either. Um, but, but this yeah, had remarkable I mean, advanced word of mouth. Sure, but it <laughs> because it didn't. What's the term? Um, deambiguous itself from the first one. A lot of people are like, "What are we? Are, are we like Blade Runnering this thing? Or are we putting it in the theaters <laughs> again? You know, is this the you know the the Snyder Cut version or something? Or which yeah. we'll get to in a moment, but, right? Yeah, yeah, we're talking about the other um, one. It, it that's the thing is the, a lot of the advanced word I was getting, like you know, from the critics and such, was just it, it. It was like out of control. Good. It was like not just positive across the board, but like raves. Like yes, this is the way it should be done. This is the hero movie. This is you know just that gushing. Uniform and, and the thing that has me hesitating is yeah, but when it comes to superhero movies, the critics and the fans are almost always diametrically opposed. Yes, yeah, and you can you can see that on Rotten Tomatoes. You know, the perfect example of that was the Joker, where the Ooh. critics hated it and it had like an eighty eighty six positive rating on Rotten Tomatoes, where the critics gave it like a forty. Yeah, and. It got to the point where the critics were like, oh, we should probably revisit that. We, we, I probably should issue a second review or something. Because this became Oscar-nominated as well as monstrous box office. And, you know, it, it, it's just telling it when it happens so uniformly. So, yeah, here when the raves were coming in, and I mean raves, that's when I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> and... I don't know that they hit it or not. I haven't seen the movie, so I can't really attest to it. It doesn't feel like it, though. Like, I'm looking at the trailers trying to pin the movie down, and I can't. It's almost like they just said, here's a character, here's a character, there's a character, which is remarkably close to the first movie. Right. A whole bunch of disjointed, confusing... So, and I'll be honest, I we do this show, and I didn't know this was really coming out. Someone Jeff mentioned it to me. Hey, I'm watching Suicide Squad. I said, old one or new one? And he's on new <laughs> one. It's the first time hearing about it. So, you know, I it's not like I'm unplugged. It's not like I'm actually Amish. And you know, but yeah. this one just didn't. It never really popped up on my radar. Now I think I think they were doing a pretty big push on streaming because that's. I, I've seen the ads will, in the last week or two. I exclusively... Oh, well, okay. All right, so you mean on, like, HBO streaming? Yeah, or, you know, like Hulu, things of that nature. Prime. Okay. Yeah. Seriously, right over my head. Flew right past me. Didn't even know. And it might have been the Olympics, too, because I had a few days where I'd put the games on just in the background. You know, yeah. and I would flip channels and stuff, and I would come across. It's like, oh yeah, that's right, it's coming out this week or next week or something. So, I was aware of it, but not like I wasn't bombarded with it. It was just like, oh, that's right, this is coming. So the next one. So the uh, the the opening did not meet expectations. I think we could say. So we're looking at I mean, projections had this. That's the tough part. You know, like, how do you even project in this environment anymore? And well, you, you know whose fault it was that it didn't do well. 
the unvaccinated. Mm. <laughs> of course it is. I, I mean, they were, the predictions were maybe like 35 to 40 million was the expectation. Right. Yeah, I think and they were pumping it up because of the word that was coming out. Yeah, and that's really what, in, in the time of the COVID, that's really what uh, people, especially with a day date, Oh, if it has a forty, if it has a forty million box office opening weekend, that's fantastic. I mean, that's mm-hmm. go go two years ago. That's dismal, but uh, so yeah. But <laughs> Mashable, the old reliable <laughs> publication, Mashable is blaming the failure of Suicide Squad's opening weekend squarely on the unvaccinated, the loudmouth unvaccinated are the reason because everybody is now in fear and didn't go out to the movie. This is I think a reach <laughs> because what Hollywood loves to do, you know, the PR departments and such when something like this happens back in the day, at least pre COVID, as we always have to say, they always love to point to some outside influence depressing box office i remember one time a movie opened 10 or 20 points below expectations and they blamed it on the volcano in iceland that had erupted that weekend <laughs> yeah because, because it was sending so to that. europe and uh, the european box office didn't go and the people didn't show up so those numbers were lower and that depressed expectations here in the states wow you were up until 11 p.m last night coming up with that one weren't you yeah, that that was quite the reach. Just like this one, and this one is, you know, <clears throat> um, you know, they're trying to make it as the the loudmouth, unvaccinated, um, your basic MAGA hat wearing anti vaxxer and mm-hmm. you know, it, it, you know, embarrassingly low vaccination rates in some parts of the country. Um, well, guys, uh, the. Racial demographics don't pan that out. And also, um, these aren't the demographics that run out to watch superhero movies the first weekend, generally. No, no. I was not going to see a whole lot of crossover of the Suicide Squad fan base and the anti-vax movement. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Unless... There's some kind of admission here that the Suicide Squad fan base are completely comprised of beta males who are scared of their own shadow, let alone encountering somebody unvaccinated and wouldn't dare go to a theater as a result. Yeah. Maybe that's the case. I'll give you that. I don't know the fan base that well. I do, and I can tell you that it's not it. That's not it, guys. Yeah. So um, I- I'm leery. I'll just say that. I'll, I'll, I'll allow Mashable their theory. It's cute. It's creative. I'll give you points there. But here's what I'm looking at that kind of tells the story. Friday on the 6th, when it opened up, $12 million. That was the opening. Kind of soft. But if you track through normal box office performance, that would probably peg you pretty close to a 35 open. Right, because usually Saturday, especially with superhero movies and such, comic book films, you get about a five percent bump, maybe depending on the film. Yeah. And then Sunday you'll have you'll taper off and maybe cut that in half. So you could have been looking at probably a thirty-six mil open here if things tracked accordingly. Saturday, 
8.2 million. This thing fell almost 30% in one day. That's yeah, bad news. That is. And, that, and once again, that speaks to, okay, so a lot of people are watching it at home. A lot of people confused it with the other one because the first one was Suicide Squad. This is The Suicide Squad. Um, thanks for that one, Mike. Uh, and um, I, yeah, I just, I don't know, man. Are we, have we seen the end of superhero movies? Are we, are we, have we grown tired of them? Um, I'm not quite there yet. So I'm, I think that there's definitely a, a period here where they got to figure stuff out as far as everything from marketing to presentation. You know, how are you? going forward going to sell these kind of movies so uh, you know it might be the case because i'm just checking things out here too and black widow went through the same thing 40 percent drop on saturday yeah oh and um also uh breaking on that one too disney has cut all ties with uh scarlett johansson <laughs> shocker right yeah i mean it, it was we can talk about uh, well, later, she. But... I think she already announced that she wasn't playing this role anymore about a month or two ago. So yeah. yeah, that that's not a surprise, but maybe yeah. the lawsuit. Well, future projects have also been erased from the formula. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, sure. Not, not too shocked. But yeah, this is this is probably a new phenomenon that they're dealing with because if you are somebody, you know, granted, you want to see it in theaters, but if you're going to go see it a second and third time, like a lot of the fanboys tend to do, maybe they will do it at home. Well, yeah, and that's, you know, that's the one downside to day date. And, again, you know, like we said earlier, that until the streaming services become more transparent with, you know, the hours watched, then, um, yeah, so... You're, we're really not going to know. But my argument with this is, too, it's not that superhero movies are finally dead. It's the thing is that Marvel has used up that ATM. You know, it's not just, oh, here's a superhero movie. Let's all go see it. They blew that wad with Captain Marvel, with Ant-Man and Wasp. Um, you know, as the nerd Roddick calls it, it's now the MCU. And DC has been rather hit or miss with, you know, if it's any good or not. So I, I see a lot of people skeptical about just rushing out now. You know, it's like, I'll, I'll see it, especially when it's day date. You know, I'll, I'll catch it. You know, I'll catch it Friday night. I, I've got a, I've got HBO Max. I'll watch it later. And here's another curiosity. I'm not seeing the theater count reported for Suicide Squad. Uh, you're, you know what? You're right. I want to say that I saw something that it was in 1400, but um, I don't know if that was the That US seems or... remarkably low. Yeah. Because I'm looking, like, for another comparison here, Jungle Cruise. That okay. just came out, like, the week prior. Uh-huh. Uh, doing pretty solid, but it came in 13 mil on the open, 12.3 on Saturday, 9.2 on Sunday. That tracks a little closer to what you normally expect. Yeah, that's what you that's what you'd expect from a Dwayne Johnson film to begin mm -hmm. with. 
you know, if you were to extrapolate that out into pre-COVID numbers, then that would be, yes, there's your blockbuster. There is your Disney Jubanji kind of thing, you know? So, I mean, your discrepancies sometimes would come into play because of the Thursday night screenings. That's when a lot of the fanboys would rush out and they right. would backload those onto Friday's open numbers. And that's why you might get a disparity normally of like 15 to 20% on a superhero film because you're basically getting a half day added in. Mm-hmm. But more Saturday show times, the fans going back for second and third viewings, that kind of thing usually would stack up. So Saturdays would be closer. A 30% drop on the second day is pretty damn significant. Yeah. And when you've got Jungle Cruise not showing that, granted, different genre, you're getting a younger kid's audience, they're more likely to go on a Saturday. So that's why you're getting more parity between those two numbers. But yeah, a 33% drop is big mm-hmm. in one day. Yeah. So I think that's a sign of trouble that this didn't connect. And I'm a little hesitant, too, to say that the streaming was a major factor because HBO Max is not quite at the level of Disney Plus. No, it's not Disney Plus. And, you know, it got some great it got some great bump with um, the Snyder Cut. It got some great bump with Godzilla. Uh, it, it it's there. You know, I mean, it's 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 kind of a pain in the ass to sign up for too. I tried signing up for it, it a couple of weeks ago and just gave up. Huh? That's yeah. It, it's yeah. So well, Disney Plus wasn't that easy either. Disney Plus was harder to get rid of. Oh, <laughs> sign up for. <laughs> well, Disney, my... Plus, Disney Plus took me a good two solid months of trying every day because I was that mad before oh. I could finally found a way found the way to uninstall it and get rid of it see my challenge in getting it was that i had already i was already in possession of hulu here so i was going to get the bundle and to try to get them to understand that on their end was a fiasco yeah that was also until finally they said we know who you are this is was creepy but also we know who you are you're getting the deal you just haven't installed espn yet oh okay thank you nsa <laughs> Overlords, I appreciate your candor. No, I, I like had to, I had to sign up independently for Disney Plus. Then I had to go back to my Hulu account and do something, and then I had to back out of that and go into an email and bridge the two somehow, or send that to them so that they could put it together into a bundle. So I had to pay like close to $20 in order to get the $12.99 price point for the bundle. <laughs> Why can't I hit two buttons? I already have an account. You just add something to it. No, can't do that. So that was my fun adventure. And I can't get rid of it because I got a damn three-year-old under the roof here. So first words out of her mouth when she gets up more Incredibles, Luca. <laughs> mm. All right, all right. I'm getting your milk. Hang on. So. <laughs> That's the oh. uh, life I've got here. Quite the life. What's what was that? Quite the life you've carved out for yourself here. <laughs> but, but while we're talking you, uh, about, while we're you talking about Snyder Cut. Yeah, while we're talking, I was going to say while we're talking about Suicide Squad and Snyder Cut, um, it came out in a uh, a Zoom fan thing with that. Um, there may be a David Ayer's cut of the Suicide Squad. 
sorry, Suicide Squad, not the. That's the new one, the old one. Yeah. Oh, so is that uh, how we differentiate them now? Yeah, the old. Yeah, the old one is Suicide Squad. The new one is the Suicide Squad. Actually, it was uh, Mudflap in chat that pointed that out, and then looking at the two stories we have about the Suicide Squad, about Suicide Squad, that is the d- distinction. Okay. But yes. So. Um, yeah, so uh, there will there's a good chance of there there's being a rally put out for the David Ayers cut of Suicide Squad. Well, I'll say this: it, this makes more sense to me than the Snyder cut ever did. Just throw the backstory out quick in case people aren't catching up. When Justice League was made, Zack Justice Snyder League. was. <laughs> oh wait, no. <laughs> you got you got you got to purge that dude. <laughs> but the director Zack Snyder had finished principal photography and then he had a family tragedy backed out of the project entirely was not a part of putting the movie together that's when they imported Joss Whedon I know calm down Wordy just it's part of the story him so many he was put in charge of cutting the film he also reshot a number of scenes to put his own stamp on things. If you watch the original Justice League, you can pretty much tell his scenes from the others. Well, you and, got the infamous beard scene, goatee scene. And you got the Aquaman getting weepy when he was sitting on Wonder Woman's lariat of truth. Yeah. That, that had Josh's fingerprints all over it. Mm. I'm thinking the the infamous Yahoo scene too had to be his. I'm betting, yeah. It did yeah. not feel like a Zack Snyder moment. Not that no. was too upbeat and too boisterous and loving. But yeah, yeah, that was the case. And you know, he basically recut the film. Everybody hated it. Everybody resented it. And everybody was clamoring for a Snyder cut, even though there was no such thing. And. Zack Snyder had to raise like $70 million to reshoot scenes of his own, recut, re-edit, and make a four-hour monstrosity of a movie that I have no interest in. But this is something people asked for. This is something people wanted. Yes. Now, when it comes to, make sure I get this correct, Suicide Squad, not the, um, the original director was David Ayers, and the studio got it, watched the trailers and watched the dailies said, wait a second, this isn't, no, this is dark and depressing. And the problem is they had an outside company. I think it was trailer park. In fact, that shot the trailers, you know, recut them and made a bright, fanciful flamboyant looking movie that the studio executives were all in love with. Yeah. Why didn't we get that movie? So they said that that right there is what we want. So they gave all of the footage to the company that cut the trailer and told them to cut the motion picture, too. (laughs) And as a result, we basically got a piece of garbage. Okay, I, I think I timed it when I watched it last time. We were at the 50 minute mark, five zero mark. And still had characters being introduced. Yeah, a whole lot of exposition in that movie. This is what a piece of garbage it was. I mean, the first act is almost entirely 
watching a woman eat a steak while she talks about the individual characters by way of introduction. I've have- seen that work in other movies. This was not one of them. That's, uh, yeah. that's something that's something you would see in a Robert Rodriguez film or a you know Quentin Tarantino film. That's not something that you expect to see in a superhero film. No, no. I, it just got to the point where after half an hour, I'm asking, how big is this freaking steak that you ordered? <laughs> she was still cutting it and still chewing it as she's introducing more characters later and later and later. But, you know, this is where your mind goes with this kind of garbage. So, yeah, there's there's talk of an Ayers cut... And it was kind of funny. I, I think we saw Margot Robbie and a couple others getting uh, ambushed on the red carpet with the question, hey, what do you think about an airs cut? Um, I hadn't now. And I just I like that first initial reaction you get when they turn from side to side looking for their handlers like, what am I allowed to say? What Can I – am I – do I have an opinion on this? Do I – am I <laughs> – See, and this is another – once this con- once this ball started rolling – now Warner Brothers is under the gun for it because when Aaron was asked about it, you know, he, he said, I put my life into Suicide Squad. I made something amazing. My cut is an intricate and emotional journey with some bad people who are shit on and discarded. The studio cut it to, you know, the studio cut is not my movie. So, yeah, it's um, the point being. This exists. His movies out there. So it should be easy. And I think the other problem is we're still talking about Warner Brothers. We went out of their way to give Zack Snyder his cut. Well, uh, only after the fan momentum and even the actors in it, you know, I, I think that that was a lot of, you know what? We need to cover up Joss's bad, not his bad film, but his, um, behavior on set, and uh, True, yeah, so that, that was, was a way like to erase his yeah, antisocial behavior, right? So if we just erase his um, his Justice League, then then we can move forward. But now that this is out there too, now that this is in the water supply, and mm-hmm. as you said, this is a film that's already made. This isn't a. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, th- this isn't like, well, we got to go do a bunch of reshoots and we got to, you know, get Schneider or got to get airs back in the production booth. And no, this movie existed and then it was cut up. So, yeah, I mean, this an airs cut should be in the can somewhere. Yeah. And so. I would think maybe the only thing holding it up would be some kind of legal snag, you know, that. If they were to release it, they would have to pay him a crap ton of money upon it seeing the light of cinema. But yeah, but the Snyder Cut obviously made HBO Max money. I'm I'm sure it did. I just so, don't know how. <laughs> I, I I well, you know, I know you were never really hot on it, but you didn't have your finger on the pulse of that community. Who, you know, th- this is like. <laughs> Four years. Well, no, it's, of, I'm, yeah. I'm looking at it from the studio side. Yeah, this this is a movie they've already lost 120 million on, and then okay. 70 million here, went yeah. into the reshoot. So yeah. how do you, 
how do you quantify what's almost two hundred million dollars that you need to recoup into this title? Uh, that's spending a lot of money to pay for Joss Whedon's sins. <laughs> yes. Hope you purge that out of your soul right. as a result. But that, and then that's just where my questions are. It's I. It may have happened, but did you get that many signups strictly for this on HBO Max to justify that price tag? That's that's my question. Now, granted, it may be offset like the seventy million. I think was raised in uh, crowdsourcing, so that might come off the ledger. So you still have about a buck twenty to account for. And you didn't have to spend a lot of promotional material because they, it promoted itself from the minute that that. Mm-hmm. You know, well, that's where they got lucky. Going. Yeah, once they said, "Yeah, we're going to release this," and it just caught fire. Yeah, all the geeks that were at home, <laughs> keyboards were ablaze. They were. So, I, yeah, the demand for an Iyer's cut is my question. It's there. I'm sure it's there. I mean, this is something I don't know if you could help me with it. I've yeah. never understood this aspect of Suicide Squad. In the promotional side, what was the deal with the cereal boxes? I, I never know. got that. Never got it. And again, what? <laughs> I mean, where where did that come from? It didn't... I, I was looking for any aspect of that in the film or pulling no. anything out of the movie no to idea. justify... I, no idea. That was the weirdest cross-promotion... I mean, it wasn't even with the cereal company. They produced, like, miniature boxes on their own. There was a lot of one-sheet posters and stuff that had bowls of cereal or the cereal box and something else. And it's like, okay, but what, what – why? What? Where does this hmm? – I've yet to tie that in. So maybe maybe the Ayers Cup will answer that question. You know, let's hope. You know, that might be one of those things that's, you know, ended up, like you said, ended up on the cutting room floor that would have made perfect sense in a normal movie, but because. (laughs) And nothing about this is normal. Maybe she was eating a steak or maybe she was eating cereal the whole time instead of steak. Hmm. See, now, now, now we need to know. (laughs) Yes. The, uh, the, The questions only unspool from here. Yeah. All right, well, do you, do you want to take a break here? Yeah, let's take a break here, and then we'll come back with more um, delays and superhero stuff, and yeah, all good things. All right, so stick around, go out, and uh, get yourself some refills on all your pertinent items, be they snacks or potables, and we will be back here in, as Cranky always corrects me, three minutes.
Welcome back to The Culture Shift as myself, Fred Slager, and Ordy Packard are waltzing you through the entertainment landscape and what is out there that you should care about. Well, I could probably say this, Ordy, they don't need to care about Venom anytime soon. Not for... Not till fall. They are (laughs) pushing it back again. It was slated to drop on... September 24th, but now they're looking more like October 15th. And having to do with what we spent talked about last before the break, the abysmal openings of Black Widow and the Suicide Squad. Correct. Yeah, well, yeah, as we said, it, was, it wasn't a bad opening, but a bad second week for Black Widow. But sure. What's curious about this, though, is this is a Sony release. Yeah, and that's, I mean... They are not really wrestling with the day-to-day streaming issue. No, and, you know, that would place a good argument for, you know, let them go ahead with it. But I think that with the increase of questions of what's going to be happening in theaters in the next couple weeks right now, that um, Sony is going to play this one safe. Yeah, I think... I, I think what they're backing away from more than anything else here is the White House being incapable to put together any kind of cogent messaging on what we should do right. regarding the pandemic resurgence. It has just been, 
And it's just an absolute fiasco coming out of the administration when it comes to COVID. That nobody knows what is going on, what's happening. And yet people are getting in trouble for questioning the authorities who don't know what they're doing. And that's the part that makes no sense on my end of things. I mean, I just did a story today about the CDC. They put out a report a few days ago that said the Delta variant is as contagious as the chickenpox, which is one of the more contagious things that are out there. And then they come to find out that this isn't based on any kind of scientific study or any kind of laboratory work. They pulled this off of an infographic they found in the New York Times. (laughs) And, you know, this is just, uh, you know, um, it's the feedback loop. The New York Times has a junk infographic that the White House reports on. So the New York Times reports on them reporting it. It's just it's the media kind of when the media gets in their feedback loop. Where mm-hmm. nobody actually, you know, we covered it um, on a different show long ago when we were talking about the straw thing, where you know the straws in the ocean and all that turned out to be was based on a seventh grader's science fair project that was completely based off estimates from how many straws a company sold in one year. Right. So you know, but that I'm, became all I, of a sudden that became canon. Yeah, he, he basically. <laughs> For a science project, he called up the straw companies and said, hey, how many you make it here? Wrote it right. down. Called up another one. How many you guys make it here? Then he extrapolated that into everybody in America, how many they throw away and use, and those go into the ocean. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Years well, later, so somebody I- actually went to the ocean and looked at the garbage and studied the garbage and found out that America is responsible for like 5%. Yeah. <laughs> of which, like... 0.3% were straws. So. Right. But then now we all get those shitty soy-based straws. Mm-hmm. Plant-based straws. But so anyway, um, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Yeah, this is one I'm actually kind of looking forward to. Yeah, it has you know, Tom Holland reprising his role. You got Woody Harrelson playing Carnage in it. It's, it's going to be fun. So it's one I'm willing to uh, wait for. Yeah, I I really, I mean, they're saying because these other movies tanked, but I think what it is, they just don't know what's going to happen in the coming weeks as far as what's going to be permitted, what's going to be open, which states are going to go into lockdown again, that kind of thing. So before they get stuck in that, I think they're backing away until things settle. Yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, and it... It's legitimate. I mean, okay, so Black Widow made 350... $351 million so far. It should have been a billion-dollar film if it was good. Um, but it had a $200 million production budget. By the time you get into it being pushed back multiple times and then it uh, – and the promotional for each time of that, that's going to lose money. Yeah, that, that's going to be as bad as the old original Hulk one. Yeah, you've got Suicide Squad um, at a hundred and eighty five five million dollar budget and it's looking at making another hundred million in production or in promotion um yeah so this one you know yeah this what blew me away with these numbers is disney's jungle cruise had a 35 million dollar domestic opening it has to make 500 million to break even really yeah wow i mean i yeah I believe it, though. Yeah. 
I mean, I wasn't expecting much from Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins anyway, but I mean, it only earned 13 million and it had a production budget of 88. Yeah, that thing died a quick death, did it not? It didn't. It did indeed. So you got this one with, you know, the first Venom film uh, opening weekend made 80 mil and went on to earn a total of pretty close to a quarter billion. Um, it's it, it's going to have to do good. And uh, I just it, it, they, they need to wait on this one. If this is one of those that it's OK. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, don't I'm, have I'm, like I'm you not said, Sony doesn't have a distribution um, streaming service, so. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes sense, but, you know, to sit there and blame it on the other movies, like, no, come on, this is COVID, you know what it is, because this, they're, they're not dealing with the streaming challenge, and they, the marketing is going to be curious, too. I don't know what kind of push Sony is doing with this, so I've not seen a lot. You want to talk about, uh, you haven't seen a lot of Suicide Squad. I've not seen too much advanced word on Venom yeah, at all. We- we talked about it last year, I, and that was just when it was, you know, Rumble was coming out, but it was so far out, we didn't even, plus it was like in the middle of the COVID when we were talking about it, I'm just like, yeah, we won't see that one until 2022, 2023. Yeah, so, I think the only time we mentioned it was like, well, that's another one that got pushed back to next year. So, yeah. yeah. That, and that was it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can completely understand Sony's residence here, but... Uh, Opening this weekend, this is kind of curious, and this one's getting a crap ton of promotion. Free guy. Yeah, Ryan. Ryan yeah, Ryan Reynolds. This is another Disney one, uh, but this one is going to be entirely in the theaters. That's They're not the doing day date with it. That's the curiosity with this one. Now, um, you know, it's on tractor. You know. The, they think that it'll make between 15 and 18 million the first weekend. So maybe up to 20. Seems, well, I mean, it seems soft, but again, I don't know what they're looking at as far as budget. I haven't really done a lot of work on this one. I just, I see the commercials all the time though. It's like, man, you are dropping a shit ton in prompting this. So they feel good about it at least. But uh, here's the thing that I have to, Okay. Getting back to the Scarlett Johansson thing. This is something else that makes me wonder if they knew that 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 Black Widow wasn't good. Because here you have a sci-fi comedy, pretty low budget. I mean, this isn't like, you know, this isn't a summer blockbuster movie. Um, They're giving it 45 days in the theater before going to streaming. So, I... I don't know if this has to do with, you know, I, the rumors with Black Widow were, that, you know, they did it in the streaming so they wouldn't have to pay out ScarJo's, Scarlett Johansson's, um, mm-hmm. you know, contract deals. You because for base, you know, box office uh, incentive. So, could, but, um, you know, the other end of it is this one may be a test one to see if they can do Shang-Chi, which is supposed to come out next month, too. If they can just do full uh, release on Shang-Chi in the theaters without Day-Date. But that is part of the Marvel Universe, so I think that's the difference here. If anything, as far as a comparable goes, I would probably look at this against Cruella. 
Okay. I, I think they undercut themselves with Cruella by going day date. They absolutely did. And that was that was at a time when people were hungry to get back into theaters. It was uh, we'd already seen by that point people willing to show up. So I think Disney hurt the box office by also showing it at home. This will be curious because, again, you get that unquantifiable pandemic effect taking place right now. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, what we, we don't know as a country from day to day what the hell we're going to be doing. So I can understand Hollywood being confused as to what they should do a week or two ahead of time. <laughs> as bizarre sure. as that sounds, but, <laughs> you know, we maybe should have a better grasp on things here, but who am I to criticize? Yeah, this does look like a fun movie, too. No, it is. I mean, this this is like yeah, the if you, very if you, if, definition yeah, of high concept. Yeah, if you're not familiar with it, um, Free Guy, Ryan Reynolds uh, portrays an NPC in a popular video game as a bank teller, and he learns that the game is going to be shut down, so he races to try and save the game. So it's like an NPC becoming – anyway, it, it looks fun. And for those it's of you who like, don't know, an NPC is a non-player character. One of the background props in a video game. <laughs> yeah. I, I I would say this is a feels like a marriage between Wreck-It Ralph and Serenity. Okay. <laughs> sure. Take two completely wildly you know, different I, movies. I'll, I'll, I'll take that elevator pitch. I, I, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> okay, you seen Serenity with Matthew McConaughey? You didn't. Okay, I understand. Here's the thing. No, right. but not many did. <laughs> you got you know, five go floors. Go, go to all sidebar here. On uh, if you seen McConaughey's really pumping up Austin as the new Hollywood. Sure. Yeah. So he, no, I mean really. I mean, he doesn't want to travel. Well, he doesn't want to travel. He wants everybody to come to him. Plus, and, if he's uh, mayor. Right. And, you know, the other thing with that, too, is that you get um, Robert Rodriguez. A lot of people don't know he has a studio there, too, and he just got a first look deal with uh, HBO Max. So, um, yeah, since Hollywood is so schizophrenic and California is and and Nevada's kind of Nevada, (laughs) Texas kind of got their shit together. You know, they they, anyway. Sorry. I I went all uh, I went sidebar on that. By all means, that's what we do here. Sure. We're all about the off-ramps. Yeah. Yeah, the only question I'd have there, though, is, you know, like, Texas has that tendency to open up, but Austin is basically all blue, and their mm-hmm. mayor is a psychopath. Sure. I mean, he's the guy that told everybody, don't so you true. dare leave your house while he was in Acapulco. Yeah, Jen and I were talking about him Monday night on Fubar. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's special, that guy. He is, yeah. So, yeah, and, you know, it's the whole keep Austin weird thing. But, you know, it's uh, Joe Rogan's there. You know, he moved his he moved his whole. Oh, that's uh, right. He did, I didn't know he landed in Austin, though. I, yeah. I was thinking Dallas. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, like Rex just said, Chad, Austin's going to get creamed by California people. It really is. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Austin. You're getting the worst of us. I apologize. Yeah, but, I mean, they're already... Austin is the California of Texas already, so fair, fair. They're going to go yeah, anywhere. It, it's it's the Portland of Texas because Portland's thing used to be keep Portland weird, and then it got too weird. Yeah, 
<laughs> they, they took it seriously. Yeah. <laughs> so Portland basically turned pro. Yeah, <laughs> get the Olympics, go pro. Yeah, well, while we're talking about going pro, Gina Carano. I mean, she's always you know excelled at everything she did, but they uh, she's got her first project coming out from her little team up with um, uh, Daily Wire. Yes, she is going to be. Sorry, I was distracted by the photo they had on the piece there. Yes, yes. Very. She's looking rather comely, I'll say. Yes. She's, Sorry, yeah. I got to thank for Gina Carano. She's yeah, just, we all do. Okay. Yeah. Not just me. Not just you. <laughs> yes. But this is, uh, it's going to be, they're basically, I don't know, is it like loosely based? Are they truly adapting the novel White Knuckle? But uh, she pretty much survives a serial killer. Yeah, this is part of if if you're not familiar with the Hitcher trilogy of books, you got the Hitcher Near Dark, and then White Knuckle was the third one. They never, as far as I know, they never made a movie for Near Dark, did they? Why do I want to say they did? Okay, um, Chad, help us out there. But yeah, uh, I'm not yeah. as well versed on the Hitcher, but I just I seem to recall something on that nature. Maybe yeah, it was like a TV movie or something. And if you're not familiar with The Hitcher, that was the 80s movie with C. Thomas Howell, Rucker Howard, and Jennifer Jason Lee, mm-hmm. and where Rucker Howard played the uh, serial killer. And then, so this this is part of that trilogy. Yeah, and that was, uh, that was a good one, The Hitcher. Yeah, The Hitcher I mean, was that, a very good one, yeah. That was all Rutger Howard right there. Yeah, that was, his, that was his finest outside of Blade Runner. Not to take anything away from C. Thomas Howell, just that he was C. Thomas Does, Howell. Right. I mean, anything outside of Taps, he's forgettable, especially Soul Man. Let's forget that movie ever happened. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I do not want him to live that down. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. So anyway, yeah. So Gina Carano, um, this is going to be the first. Uh, she is producer and starring in it. Uh, this is going to be coming out. What I found interesting is that this is going to be available on the Daily Wire's website for Daily Wire subscribers. Yeah, that is curious. I mean, that is a great way to get subscriptions. That's a fantastic <laughs> way to get more subscriptions. That is, you know, you're, you're going to get the people who are pissed off about how Disney treated her about the Mandalorian. If they're not already subscribers, they will pay for at least one month to watch this. Sure. Hell yeah. You're going to get eyes over there for that. Yeah. And, uh, now, as far as the crossover goes, you know, like what kind of retention you're going to get, that's a who knows but part that's got me also interested in this is that uh, the producers on this one is from bone Tom- tomahawk and the other yeah. is from dragged across concrete i uh-huh. love both of those movies yeah and you got uh former fangoria editor uh tony timpone on it uh the hurt locker outfit they're doing the international sales on it so you've you got some good names on this this isn't just like you know all like uh you know ben shapiro and, and it's super eight right you know, no, this is uh, a lot of interest behind this, and the, the people. That's what I what I liked about it is the people making it. Yeah, I. And, if you haven't yeah. seen either of those movies, Bone Tomahawk or Drag Across Concrete, they're completely different, but they're both great movies that should have gotten much more exposure. I think like Drag Across Concrete was an overperforming DVD release. 
Uh-huh. With uh, Mel Gibson in it. Good did green Fantastic on Redbox. Yeah, and it just it was like, where did this come from? And why didn't this go to theaters? And then uh Bone Tomahawk, go get that uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Recommend both of them. Yeah. Not bad movies. These are good ones. You don't get that from me too often. <laughs> yeah, and then you got the um uh David I always have a struggle with his last name. Galimo from the Pale Door is doing the casting on it, and he did really good casting for Pale Door. So no, this is I'm I I think this is going to be great. I really do. Yeah, I'm su- I'm just surprised now. I mean, I I had heard she signed on with them. It happened what almost a week or so after Disney kicked her out. So yeah, yeah, this was already in the works, but now seeing who's attached to it, it's like okay, uh-huh. this is looking legit. Yeah, this one's going to be uh, this is going to be something to see. Plus. The Hitcher is one of my favorite 80s psychological thrillers. You know, it's really the way Jennifer Jason Lee gets ripped apart in that. That's just that's stuck in my head for (laughs) years. That was just that was very didn't see it. But the fact you heard it and that was that was very. You know, it was like the classic Universal Dark Universe uh, horror films, where it, it happened off screen, but it really affected. It's very mm-hmm. effective the way that it was delivered. So yeah, yeah, it definitely played in the theater of the mind. Mm-hmm. But it yeah, was well made. It was just uh, well directed, good editing on it, and Rutger Hauer is just—you can't Jeez. take your eyes off him the whole time. It's just like, damn, son. Uh, yeah, he did. He was fantastic in that. Just. He, you know, what, he played. He, he actually made that movie. Every that, that movie would have sucked without him. Clearly, clearly. Well, we could get into streaming, which we have not done all show. Amazingly enough. Yeah, yeah, we're going, got, we're going back to the little box. Lord Giggity. of the Rings is going to be on Amazon, Amazon. with a brand new series. Yeah, um, yeah, this one, yeah. Jeff, friend of the show uh, from In the Crease and Lost Wanderer, Jeff pointed me out to this story today and uh, then dug a little bit more and got some extra news on it. But, uh, yeah, this uh, Amazon is not skipping on this one. They have got $465 million baked into production for a TV series. Yeah, that is... Uh, Plus that the is... $250 million they paid for the rights. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what I'm looking at. They need You're talking... This is an outlay of seven hundred million dollar plus. And that's without promotion. They need to make a billion. Just you know, none of the figures we you know that's without a lick of advertising. This thing is pretty much all on self advertising right now. I will say this: they probably at least a P. I'm not a big fantasy guy myself at all, but mm. when you talk about big battles and tasteful nudity, okay. Yeah, and you know this is kind of the effect of uh, uh, Game of Thrones is going to have on all fantasy going forward. But you know, it's mm-hmm. um, yeah, they they're That's going clearly to the vibe they're dudes. going for here. Yeah, it's you know, and this one, you know, it's okay if you're not familiar with the Sumerian, it is the Bible of Tolkien's world. It was written posthumously; it was put together, uh, but it's like everything that happened before. And they did a really good job in like the early, tw- I think the first twenty minutes 
of Lord of the Rings, 15 or 20 minutes, where they really broke out you know, and explained the history of Middle-earth. This is going to be based on it. And the amount of money that Amazon is pumping into it, one, they've already announced a second season. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the areas they're dealing with, two, um, really... Some of the teasers say that it's going to be in the first age, in the earliest bits of the story. And there's a lot of um, open territory there to play with. So, you know, in some of the cuts, you see the elven capital of Lindo, you see Numenor, the Misty Mountains. You you get a lot of, you know, where they're going to be taking place. And again, this is all filmed in New Zealand um, because that is what Peter Jackson has made Middle Earth. Right. Yeah. Which probably constitutes a significant portion of that budget outlay. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it, it just, you know, this, this boggles just, you know, where the streamers get the money back. But I guess, you know, they they must do the books like in a long form assessment of things somehow. <laughs> you know, what? Yeah, yeah. You kind of have to as a streamer. Plus, you know, it's Amazon. So that's like, you know. I mean, Bezos pissed that away going into space for 15 minutes. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, true. But, uh, yeah, it's it's probably going to be worth seeing. I'll probably peek in on it, not just for the nudity, but primarily for it. And just to, you know, see what it looks like, what the production values are and such. But that's just a shit ton of money right there. I mean, 200 plus just on the rights. Yeah, if they dropped half a billion on uh, production, first season production, uh, you know it's going to be kind of over the top. So, which, great. I mean, okay, you can make the argument that nudity has no place in Tolkien's stories. And I'll listen to that, because really, when you get right down to it, when you get past the elves and the dragons and everything else, it's a love story. It just, it doesn't look like it, but it is. So, um and also, when Tolkien wrote it, he wanted to write, England never really had a lore like the Greeks had and the Romans had and everything else. So this was kind of Tolkien creating that, too. So, And given how he was at the time, um, nudity would be the furthest thing away from what he would want in his stuff. But you got to give the fans what they want. You got to give them what they want. <laughs> well, I was, you know, first to say, you know, like, where where do you get off that? I would make the argument against nudity. Well, no, I mean, it's be, there was actually a change.org petition. You know, because, <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah, but, well, and, you know, the whole thing came about because in New Zealand, when you're filming in New Zealand, as part of the deal, um, if you have any nudity or sex in it, you have to have an intimacy counselor on set to make sure everything is done, you know, so you don't get have a whole bunch of Weinsteining going on. So, um, so, and how do you get that job? Right now, there's a profession I missed at vocation day. Wow. I gotta, I gotta get my uh, job recruiter on the phone. Like, Hey, (laughs) I've I've got some words with my high school guidance counselor. Um, (laughs) anyway, but yeah, so that's where it all came out. That's where the change.org thing. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah, we covered it a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about how he, the Tolkien Society is com- 
they, they've made it to where it's almost going to be impossible to unfuck Tolkien going forward. So this is like, you know, let's just, you, you, you guys push your Overton window over there. We'll just take this right here and be like, okay, nudity's fine. Just stop fucking with it, please. <laughs> yeah, it just uh, but clearly this is Game of Thrones influence, though. Oh, yeah. absolutely. That and with the battles, too. Because, you know, it's... You can actually kind of blame Peter Jackson for that. But no, you can... Yeah, why all of it. You? No, okay, so Peter Jackson's battle scenes that never actually happened in the books influenced the battle scenes in Game of Thrones. The nudity in Game of Thrones is influenced. So, yeah, it, again, we're in another feedback loop, but... Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... I, I'm also one of those that don't fully understand, you know, when the fandom gets militant about stuff like that. It's like, okay, I, I understand you love the books and all that, but this is a movie. This is a TV show. It's a completely different medium. Right? You got to diluting the product when you when you don't when you don't put a stop to that you get the star wars christmas special that leads to the prequels okay <laughs> this is what happens when you don't you gotta nip it andy you gotta nip it in the bud well i didn't yeah i was <laughs> go unfettered <laughs> but at the same time it's like you know i've seen them when they uh have gotten to the point it's like you know she would never wear that shirt because the buttons would be on the other side because she's left-handed if anybody read okay. the books they would know this it's like, yeah, okay, you're you're confusing fandom rage with a Saturday Night Live skit of Will Shatner at a Trekkie convention. Yeah. So. But close. Uh, no, I just I've been through that cycle already. It's like, dude, it's just it's a movie. Yeah. You know? <laughs> When I was well, cutting my teeth as a reviewer, I had to go through that crap all the time, and I was like, "Oh my god, did I screw up?" It's like, dude, they're fanboys. Leave them alone. Don't listen to them. It's like, cool, okay. Yeah, but you know that actually got worse for Kevin Smith. We didn't. We're not even touching that this week. But that meltdown became. Well, he, him and Netflix have just shut the fuck up about everything with that. I mean, that was, you know, it's oh no, you're fine. Oh my god, we're not. This parachute is packed with silverware. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, and see, that's the difference when the people on the production side turn on the fanboys. That's the worst thing to do. <laughs> I think is the lesson to be taken from here. So while we're on the while we're on the topic of Lord of the Rings, because this other story came out today too, um, as I had just said, not ten minutes ago, five minutes ago, Peter Jackson has made New Zealand Middle Earth. Not anymore. After the first season, Lord of the Rings production is moving back to England, or moving to England. And the reason for this, while everybody loves uh, New Zealand, um, England has tighter COVID restrictions that make it easier to work in because you know the set is basically closed. Um, and all of the actors are from England, so it's like if somebody were to like go on vacation for a week, they'd have to quarantine for an extra 14 days coming back into New Zealand. So it's like, you know, you quick jaunt home to see your wife and come back, and you're now locked down for two weeks and production stops. So until New mm -hmm. Zealand unfucks its COVID policies, which doesn't seem to be anytime soon, second season, and yes, before the first season is even released, the second season is in production, pre-production. Yeah, I would almost say right now the second to last place you'd want to do anything like that would be New Zealand. First would be Australia. 
Right. <laughs> well, I'll show you. You can't even leave the hotel room to go film. No. But. Yeah, and this kind of tracks with Amazon, though, because they are filming other titles. It's like they filmed The Good Omens there, uh, Anasazi Boys, Citadel, Power and the Rig. And so they, they, I think they're doing a lot of work at, um, what's Circus's studios there? Anyway. Yeah. What, over in Britain? Would be Pinewood. Yeah, yeah Pinewood. So, yeah. So. That makes sense. I mean, they've got the goods over there. They've they've been they got sound stages that would dwarf some cities, and uh, they've been doing it for decades already. So that makes perfect sense, actually. Yeah, and you know, and you think about it too. Is between The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, and the first season of this, you've got enough second unit um, stock footage. You could do a season or two. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, of that. How many how many different ways are you going to film the mountain range of uh, you know central New Zealand? I just flipped the image. You'll never notice. Hey, you know, and that's a time-honored tradition. <laughs> but um, probably our last story here is on a much smaller scale than this. This isn't even streaming. This is just broadcast. Mm-hmm. That's how low we're going, but we cover it all. Yeah, this yes. is what you – know, finally, broadcast TV is like just one step above doing Broadway. And I think the only time we did broadcasting mm-hmm. – yeah, so. <laughs> yeah it is. and then when you're talking about the CW, it might be off Broadway we're discussing. Right. So it's that bad. But uh, Chloe Bennett has uh, decided to step down. She was going to be playing a role in a pilot for the upcoming fall season. Um, that's not the big story, though. I think burying the lead a little bit here is what's taking place. She was set to star as Blossom in the pilot. Of the show Powerpuff. Yes, the if you're not familiar live action <laughs> version of the Powerpuff Girls, what the hell? Yeah. Okay. So if you're one, if you're not familiar with Chloe Bennett, you would know her as Sky Daisy Quake from Agents of Shield, doing seven seasons there. Um, she was to play Blossom, and this is in a live action Powerpuff Girl, and it's a copy of the script of the pilot got released and nobody absolutely nobody thought it was good. I, you have, they're all grown. They're all traumatized from being child star superheroes. The, uh, you know, Chloe Bennett's character had a sex tape released. The other one, another one of the other girls is going around. um, Preying on bi curious people from tune to it, it's it. Oof. Oof. So basically, this was going to be um, kind of like their version of Riverdale. Yeah, but hardening yeah. everything on it. A Powerpuff Girl with a sex tape. Right. Yeah, and you know, it's they were making the. Uh, wow. Yeah. I got to find a copy of the script. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, it's just, you know, it, okay. So it's like, you know, Professor Drake, Utonium, he's, they, they've written him. He was kind of like the dad figure on the show. They've written him to be the abusive celebrity parent. And, you know, it's you know, kind of like the pageant mom kind of thing. And just, 
to call it a miss is kind. So they're redoing everything. But Chloe Bennett said, nope, I'm out. Wow. That just, I, I, I was just already aghast that they were doing a live action. And mm-hmm. now, <laughs> yikes. Yeah. So she may have dodged a bullet here. I, you like know, yeah. And I, I really hope that she's leaving because she knew how bad it was and it was going to be and not because it was no longer going to be woke enough for her. Yeah, because there's when you get these young stars, the, there's kind of, you know, what not really young anymore. She's almost 30. But yeah, it's, you know, kind of which way are they going to fall in the woke spectrum, you know? Thanks. <laughs> yeah, please don't ruin Agents of Shield for me by being that, you know. So, and this isn't even me saying, you know, oh my gosh, how dare they do this to the Powerpuff Girls? It's what in the living hell are you doing to the Powerpuff yeah, they, Girls? Yeah, this, this, this is a uh, Doctor Ian Malcolm. Just because your scientists could do something doesn't mean they should. <laughs> Yikes! Well, yeah, I guess they have. Hell Comes to Townsville as a subheading. Oh, yes. Well played. Well played. Nice. Well, I think we tapped out on everything right there. I think we did. I think we did. I, um, that was just packed full of jam. It was. As always, we uh, tend to bring more than we can handle on every episode, but we do that for the listeners. We do that for you. Risk personal injury just to make it fun for y'all. Lift with your legs. That's us. <laughs> well, all right, then. Ordy, why don't you tell everybody where they can get more of your content at Magnificence? Well, you know, thanks for asking. You can find me on Twitter as that Amish one, number one. You can find me on Minds and Mewe as Ordy Packard. And you can find me back on KLRNRadio.com on Monday nights with Fubar, One Nation Under Foo. Sam is still on hiatus, so I'll be more than happy if you join me next week on Monday there, Brad. I should be able to do this, yes. And uh, after that, you can find me on CyberChill with our producer, Lou. Where can people find you? Numerous venues and avenues. I am writing on a daily basis at townhall.com front page, where I cover the media mayhem that is taking place on a daily basis. I'm also regular on the front page of Red State, irregular over at Twitchy, and on this very network on Tuesday evenings. I am here at eight 30 with the lovely gracious and the ever effervescent Aggie Regan as we do the cocktail lounge where we discuss drinkables and higher art and other fascinations of the culture. And next Thursday we'll be doing disasters in the making at the same time at 8 PM Thursday with Paul Young, as we go through some, Bad cinema, bad side of Hollywood, and pretty much assured to be doing something regarding Gerard Butler. That'll be happening. And then more than that, if you need more of me, and you do, let's face it, go over to Twitter and you can find me at Martini Shark. All right, folks, thanks ever so much for listening. We will see you back here in another fortnight as we collect and collocate all the important information taking place in the entertainment realm for your benefit. We will see you then. Hail Hydra.
understand. 